Well, I'm thankful for all who have led us in worship this morning. Thankful for our tremendous musicians. Thankful for Ben Ehrensberger offering our call to worship. Thankful for all of you here in the sanctuary and all those that are watching on the live stream as well. We are continuing a sermon series today, our prophet series. Can you hear me now? Listening to the prophets. Ezekiel is the last of the three major prophets the first two being Isaiah and Jeremiah. And his book tells of a people in turmoil. Those living in the southern kingdom of Judah were conquered in 586 BCE when Jerusalem was sacked and the temple destroyed. Some Jews were left in their homeland, but others were deported and displaced in Babylon. Every level of social standing was affected by this conquest and deportation. The Jewish king, Jehoiachin, was forcibly taken to Babylon, as well as the priests. Now the prophet Jeremiah predicted that the temple would be rebuilt. And Ezekiel is one of the first that was taken in this group, deported to Babylon. The prophet Ezekiel, whose very name means God strengthens. This prophet gains inspiration from the Lord, and his writings are addressed to both those that are in exile and those that are back home in Judah. The word from Ezekiel 37 is one of the most prominent passages of eschatological writings within the Bible. The picture that is painted is one of dry bones destruction of a wasteland. This must have connected with those that were forced to leave their homeland, those that saw the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, for their world was upside down. It was hopeless. Yet even in this scene of death and desolation, there's a word of hope, even for us today. Hear now these words from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me all the way around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O oh Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. 
I prophesied as he had commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. And then he said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost, and we are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves. O my people, I will bring you back to the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I'll put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your soil, and then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be pleasing to you, O God. Amen. Dry bones lying in a valley. It's one of the most grim pictures and images within Holy Scripture. And yet these bones are depicted in works of art and serve as a muse to hymns and gospel classics and acts of contemporary Christian music. In this place where Ezekiel is taken, there has been something awful that has taken place, something violent, violent enough to show that death is all around. Within the introduction to this passage, the hand of the Lord leads Ezekiel to this valley, and Ezekiel is asked, mortal, can these bones live? The answer is so obvious to the prophet that he answers, O oh Lord God, you know. There is no life to be had in this valley, for violence has taken hold here, and these bodies have not even been properly cared for or buried. Instead, they lie out scattered. Within this scattering, there is a double image, for Israel and Judah have already split a northern and a southern kingdom. And due to violence and power, other larger, more powerful empires have come and scattered these kingdoms. Most obviously, within a diaspora, there is a group displaced. There is little possibility for unity. Just like within scattered bones, there is little chance of life. Yet, Ezekiel is told to prophesy to the scattered, dry bones among him. Ezekiel is being asked to set this scene back in order. He's called to bring life and unity to a place where there is only death. He speaks the words that are called to him from God, and when he does, there's a rattling, a sound of bones coming together, of flesh and tendons and ligaments all coming together to, to look not like death, but like life. And in keeping with the Genesis narrative of creation, it takes two steps. Genesis 2-7 says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. In a similar way, we see the dry bones form into the likeness of life with sinews and flesh, but breath seems to be a second step required for life to be flowing. As such, 
Ezekiel shares the word of the Lord and breathes and fills his lungs with breath for the whole multitude gathered together. In seeing this distinction of bodies with and without breath, and these bodies formed but not alive, it actually brings up quite a bit of controversy in Christian history. The question being, what is a body for? Gnostics believed that the body was unholy, that flesh caused us to stumble and to sin. They believed the ultimate way of experiencing life and holiness was to be a spirit, as God is spirit. This is interesting, but also deeply problematic for a spirit God that loved us so much to become flesh. Gnostic theology would have no understanding of this type of action. Meanwhile, early church fathers such as Tertullian and Irenaeus were adamant that a body is required to overcome death. Irenaeus said, It is the whole of us, body and soul, that bears the likeness of God both within our very being and within our bodily words and actions. It is through the resurrection of our bodies that we take on the perfect image of Jesus, the risen and glorious man. Respect for our bodies and the bodies of others is an essential element of the Christian gospel." End quote. It's clear that bodies are not meant to lie as a pile of bones depicted in Ezekiel's prophecy. Most basically, we care about people due to our Christian faith. We care about their well-being, their minds and bodies and souls. And our faith in Christ calls us to care for our neighbors and our enemies and complete strangers that we may never encounter in this world of over seven billion people. We are to care for the living, but not just the living. Tom Long, in his book, Accompany Them with Singing, The Christian Funeral, suggests that the purpose of a Christian funeral is to enact the human obligation to care for the dead in such a way that we retell the story of baptism. Caring for the living and the dead are Christian values. Because of the words of Tertullian and other church fathers, there was a bit of superstition about the care of bodies and the impact that it may have on life in heaven. Some of this still continues to this day. My grandfather died when I was in elementary school, and he was cremated. In seminary, in class, I remember mentioning my eventual desire to be cremated. Sometimes you talk about weird things in seminary. And a classmate of mine said, oh, I can't imagine that. What a pain for God to need to sort through all the soot and dust to find all the pieces of you for the afterlife. To which I responded, you better believe it. Because doesn't that sound like the nature of God? Forming and collecting us, even, even out of the dust and the ashes of life and death? But this belief in needing to be unified in body for salvation was a commonly held belief, and it was complicated by Christian martyrdom as early as the first century. The bodies of Christians from the Colosseum were not perfectly preserved. And then in the second century, 
There was another grotesque picture of persecution where Romans in Gaul would attempt to rob the dead of their rebirth by desecrating the bodies of believers. We know that our bodies are temporary, but they are also essential for us in being human. We are also aware that our bodies are holy. We are integrated within our existence of mind and body and soul. And yet, we also know that we are not always unified within ourself or within community. The Apostle Paul talks about not understanding his own actions in Romans 7. He talks about not doing the good that he wants, but instead participating in a kind of self-sabotage, in wanting to do good, but instead doing something that is harmful or problematic or evil. This image of the dry bones rattling together shows the recovery of something that could never be recovered on its own. It shows a picture of the resurrection of the body that is wholly dependent on God. Ezekiel encounters a graveyard that is left behind, and it's made of parts of people, people forgotten and scattered. Ezekiel's vision is especially pertinent for Israel as they are severed and separated due to the exile. Some of these people are in Babylon and others are not. There is physical separation for these people, but there is also the separation of experience and separation of understanding. How could they continue to be a people when separated? And how can we continue to be a people if we are cut off from each other? Ezekiel's vision shows these scattered parts becoming whole again, bone to bone, with sinews and muscles and tendons, then skin and flesh, and finally breath that makes this come to life. As we gather this morning, we are fully aware of the dry bones in our midst. With an ongoing war in the Ukraine, a horrific shooting in Buffalo last week targeting a black community, and just a few days ago, a school shooting at an elementary school in Texas. It's heartbreaking. It's honestly too much for us to process. Dry bones and death are nothing new for us. But where there is death, could there also be the potential for life? Where there is destruction, could hope not also be found? Can these bones live? Not by my own doing, and not by yours either. But when we gather in understanding, when we take notice of God's Spirit alive within us, then new life is possible. And unfortunately, these types of tragedies are highly profitable in the same way that rage and anger keep us engaged on certain platforms. These emotions have their place, and I'm not at all suggesting that there is not ample reason to feel such a way. It's just not a way for people to move forward together. The current level of discourse regarding these conversations and other pertinent issues of disagreement are troubling. The topics are sensitive, and the pain is real. 
but often there seems little hope for moving forward together. I'm not at all suggesting a moderation of convictions that meets on the middle of every issue, but instead, I'm wondering if the church might be able to offer a model for the outside world of peaceful disagreement and remaining in conversation and relationship. When we share in difficult and painful conversations, when we take action and share our fears and our pain, when God's Spirit speaks through us in truth, in longing for a world rid of such violence, a world where we can speak our convictions and beliefs, but understand the perspective of someone else seeing an issue differently than us, then God's Spirit is alive within us. The world shows us all the time that if we disagree about something, we owe nothing to that person. We should cut them off. We should smear their character. We cannot disagree and exist in the same space. This level of toxicity has left us with a valley of dry bones where no one is willing to see another's perspective. Can these bones live? God asked to the prophet Ezekiel. Oh Lord God, you know. The same God who created the world. The same God who brought a nation from a childless couple living in Haran the same God who heard the calls for freedom from the Israelites from slavery, the same God who entered into covenant with this people and established commandments for them to follow, the same God that raised up judges and kings and prophets to show them a new way of living. These dry bones by themselves cannot live. They can only live when God's spirit is alive within them. People of faith, we need not share the same experiences to be together. Some are grieving and need space. Some are mad and want action. Some are confused and fearful. Some are scared for their lives or their children's lives or their grandchildren's lives. But the only way forward for the people of Christ is together. With God's Spirit giving life and speaking truth in our ways of engaging this world. For Ezekiel, the dry bones gain life when God's spirit comes alive. And the same is true with us. As William Sloan Coffin said in an Easter sermon at Riverside Church, on Good Friday, the darkness was all but complete. The message clear, fear and hatred kill. But let us not be sentimental. Ours is still a Good Friday world. But by the light of Easter morn, we read through the darkness, a yes, but kind of message. Yes, hate kills, but love ultimately never dies, never dies with God, not even with us. Love is stronger than death. God's Spirit calls us to live, not just in the life beyond this one, but now. We can exist within this life with our hearts beating and minds thinking, but this abundant life calls us to be people of peace within this world. Not ones without convictions or opinions, but people with the wisdom and comfort to find a way forward even in disagreement. If the God of all creation can breathe life into the dirt to create human beings, 
If God can overcome death itself, God can change us and reassemble every part of us, bringing us into being a people transformed by the power of the resurrection and the reality of God's spirit that can bring hope even in the midst of hopeless times. A God that can bring life even to a valley of dry bones. Amen. If you have never